What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Cavalier Central, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Today is not a good day to be a Wizards fan. Um, I'll tell you that much. The Wizards made um, a move at the trade deadline. I am not a big fan of it. I'll get into it later in the podcast. But also the Wizards, um, man, the Wizards are beating the Knicks by like, what, 17 points or something at one point? And they end up losing that game. Um, 106 to 102. Um, also, by the way, um, at the end of the half, um, the Wizards were up at 15 points, and the Knicks were still three-point favorites in the game. That kind of tells you something about the Wizards. That's kind of crazy um, to me. But the Knicks pushed a record to 23 and 22. Um, the Wizards fall to 15 and 28, and they've still, I believe, only won one game after the All-Star break, which is not good at all. Um, yeah, at one point in the game, the Wizards' win probability per ESPN was 95.3%. Um, this is when they were up 14 points with two minutes left in the third quarter. Um, yeah, that's crazy. The Wizards were above 50% to win the game pretty much the whole way through until um, it switched over to the Knicks um, having higher than 50% probability to win the game with about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, so just, just terrible from the Wizards. Like, let's be honest, like that was like embarrassing to lose in that fashion to a Knicks team that was missing Derrick Rose and like Austin Rivers just got traded. Um, and they didn't have, um, known as Noel and they didn't have someone else. Um, Reggie Bullock who started in the last game, um, two nights ago. Um, they actually started with Frank Nielakina. That lineup was not good. Um, so yeah, just a terrible game from the Wizards. Um, coming into this game, the Knicks were 22nd in offense and 4th in defense, pretty much the same as last time. Um, but the point eventual was plus 0.5, which was 13th in the league. Last time, it was a little bit lower. Um, obviously, they killed the Wizards last game, so that really helped their um, overall point differential. Um, in terms of the overview and four factors kind of stuff um, for this game, the, the offenses were not good. <laughs> um, it was an ugly game. The Knicks' offensive rating was 102.9. The Wizards was 100. Um, 
the Knicks, actually, this is an interesting thing. Um, the Knicks' effective field goal percentage was in the second percentile for this game with 40.3, which is ridiculously low. But the way they won this game was they got more shots by getting offense rebounds. Um, their offense rebound rate was about 15 points higher than the Wizards. And the free throw rate was about eight points higher than the Wizards. They're in the 95th percentile in free throw rate and the 94th percentile in offense rebound rate. Um so yeah, if you're going to do those two things, um, even if you don't shoot the ball very well, you're going to win some games. Um, and they did that here, especially with the Wizards offense that was not generating a lot of good looks. Um, so going into the fourth quarter, um, or actually I'll say in the fourth quarter, um, I want to talk about the fourth quarter first because that's like where everything collapsed. Um, so the Wizards were winning by 11 points going into the fourth quarter. Um, and in the fourth quarter, the Knicks scored 39 points um, and the Wizards scored 24 um, just to put that in perspective with how the rest of the game was going. Um, in the first quarter, the Knicks scored 20 points. In the second quarter, they scored 25. And in the third quarter, they scored 22. Um, so for them to explode with 39 points in the fourth quarter is kind of weird. Um, but it's actually interesting how they did it. Um, so the whole game, um, they without Derrick Rose, um, who's obviously a shot creator who can run a pick and roll, um, without Reggie Bullock, who's a shooter who helps him space the floor. Um, like, Alfred Payton is not a great ball handler, I don't think. Um, and, like, he's not great in the pick and roll. He can run. Like, he's fine. But he's not, like, really, really, you know, at the level of some other guys. Um, and then without Nerlens Noel as a threat, as a pretty solid screen setter, and he can roll the basket. Um, their offense struggled for most of the game. And something that I said out loud a couple times was, like, why isn't quickly playing more minutes? Um, to the first three quarters, he played 20 two minutes, I believe, and then he played the whole entire fourth quarter. Um, and he was incredible in the pick and roll. Um, basically, they just they just beat the Wizards with Emmanuel quickly and um, what's his face? Um, Taj, <laughs> Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson like wasn't even in the league like one or two months ago and all of a sudden, he just absolutely killed the Wizards him and quickly. Like it was, it was just wild to watch. Also, Bur- Alec Burks, give him a lot of credit. He played really good oh I actually messed it up so quickly only played tw- he only played 14 minutes in the whole game before he played that entire fourth quarter um so yeah that's <laughs> that's crazy um and he absolutely killed the Wizards down the whole entirety of the stretch um he ended the game with a really really good night um but yeah it's just the the chemistry that he developed with Taj Gibson so quickly in the pick and roll is actually really really impressive um but yeah I'll go over the top line numbers first so um Bradley Beal um scored 26 points in the game. Um, he was 8 for 23, 8 of 9 at the line. So those 26 points coming on 27 and a half shooting possessions is not very good. Um, Garrison Matthews had a good game with 16 points on 7 and a half shooting possessions, which is above 100% true shooting, uh, which is awesome. Um, Rui Hachimura scored 21 points. He looked aggressive tonight. Uh, I always love to see when Rui's aggressive, but those 21 points, they come on 18 shooting possessions, not super efficient, um, but still love the aggression from him. And Westbrook did not have a great game. He had 18 rebounds, but he only had 13 points. And those 13 points coming on Oh, God, 21 shooting possessions. That's just god-awful. Um, and he also had six fouls and fouled out and nine assists. Um, Beal also had nine assists, which is pretty good number for him. Um, but, yeah, going back to that, Emmanuel Quickly and Taj Gibson pick and roll. Emmanuel Quickly ended the game with 16 points, um, three assists, a plus-minus, a plus-14 in only 26 minutes, which is crazy. Um, Alec Burks had a plus-minus of plus-17 in 34 minutes. He had 27 points. Um, and he only shot the ball. Well, he shot the ball. Um, let's see. He shot 18 times, 11 free throws. So that was 23 and a half shooting possessions. So pretty efficient night for him. He was two of seven from three, but he was a threat to shoot. And he did have a lot of success attacking closeouts in this game. Um, RJ Barrett um, didn't play very well the whole game until like down the stretch. He was pretty good. He had 24 points. Um, he played 42 minutes in this game, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, that's a Tom Thibodeau staple. Um, 
27 and a half shooting possessions, 24 points, not the greatest night. And Julius Randle only had 13 points. He did not look very good tonight. Um, Rui actually did a pretty solid job on him guarding him one-on-one. Um, he hit a couple of crazy shots, but that's also what he did last game when he scored like 37 points. Um, but I think both nights, Rui did actually a pretty acceptable job on him, so I'm pretty happy to see that. Um, and Mitchell Robinson only played 21 minutes because Taj Gibson played 27 minutes um, with this old frail body. Um, um, I cannot believe... So, okay, I'll talk about the pick and roll. Um, so the whole entire game um, for pick and rolls, Wizards were just icing them. Um, and most of the game, it was Mitchell Robinson saying pick and roll. And a lot of the time, Alfred Payton was the ball handler. Um, so when Alfred Payton's a ball handler in the pick and roll, um, he's he's just not as good at running as Amanda quickly. Like he doesn't know how to make, like just use the screen using his dribble, um, using his body. Um, that is a pretty important skill, just setting yourself up to use a screen that doesn't really get talked about at all. Um, and so he's not as good as that as Amanda quickly. He, um, and Mitchell Robinson is not as good as a screener as Taj Gibson, not even close. Um, Taj Gibson is so smart. He's a veteran. He knows when to flip the angle of the screen. Um, and that was really, really, really important. Um, I'll get into that in a second. But Mitchell Robinson, while he is a much better roller, like obviously uh, just not even close, um, he's not as nearly as good as a screener. And sometimes at that point of attack, when you're playing against a drop like the Wizards um, play, um, then that point of attack, um, you know, get some separation between um, the ball handler and the defender that's pretty important um so that's where Taj Gibson was good Taj Gibson is a very very good screener but more importantly he knows um the timing of when to flip the angle of the screen and then um Emmanuel quickly is really good at using his body using his like kind of herky-jerky style of ball handling um to get his body um and get the screener screened um because the ball handler is important um in using the screen obviously um it's not just the screener like saying a good hard screen which um Taj Gibson is good at um, Emmanuel quickly was very, very good at, um, so the Wizards were icing, right? So they're trying to, um, force quickly away from the screen. So a good way to do this is flip the angle of the screen to a step up or flip it to just straight up, uh, to a screen on the other side. Um, most of the time Taj Gibson would flip the angle of the screen to the other side and the Wizards had no answer for this. Um, most of the time actually, um, so the, the um, Knicks would, um, they attack, they'd be able to attack the middle of the floor, um, this way, um, uh, which was, were trying to get the Knicks not to do. Um, so they'd set the screen, um, the wizards would ice it and then they just obviously flip the angle. Um, and they're attacking the middle floor. So, and then like from there, since the guards are so bad at getting over screens for the wizards, like Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook are terrible at getting over screens. Um, the guards were able to attack at the big, um, Emmanuel quickly obviously has a floater game, but he's also a pretty good passer and he can find the weak side corner. Um, so basically with the guard being so bad at getting around, um, the initial screen, and with Taj Gibson being a good screener and roller, um, all of a sudden you create a two-on-one against Alex Len. So how do you solve a two-on-one? You bring some help. Uh, so the help comes from the weak side corner, obviously, which is good. Uh, but then you leave the weak side corner guy open, and the Knicks did a really, really good job of making sure Alec Burks was that guy in the weak side corner. A couple times it was R.J. Barrett, um, but usually R.J. Barrett was one pass away. Um, so... I guess what the Wizards did to kind of adjust to this was, so Westbrook a lot of times is on R.J. Barrett one pass away from the screen um, on the strong side. Um, so they'd try to bring a little bit more nail help, um, but then they could just kick out pretty easily to R.J. Barrett and he could attack from there. Um, R.J. Barrett as just kind of like a secondary creator in this game did a really, really good job um, in that fourth quarter, just in that kind of role of attacking after that pass um, from when there's um, really strong nail help. But like Westbrook was not consistent with helping out the nail. Um, like he, sometimes he would just show, sometimes he wouldn't help at all. Sometimes he would like full on, like get there a step early. Um, so I guess it's good to mix up coverages, but like it, it didn't really work. Um, 
So yeah, I, I don't really know what I, I like, if I'm being honest, I probably would have just gone under the screen. Like, is Amanu quickly that good that, or just stop icing it. Um, like, why are you icing the ball screen? They're just going to flip the angle and get into it so easily right afterwards. Um, so what's frustrating is that Brooks didn't adjust. Um, the Knicks adjusted. They did a good job. Tom Thibodeau, um, whoever on the staff um, coaching um, the offense, like they they did a good job of adjusting to what the Wizards were doing, which was icing ball screens. Um, the Wizards knew that they didn't have great ball handlers um, and that, you know, icing them would um, just completely take them out of their offense, which it did for three quarters. Um, three quarters into this game, the Knicks only scored 20, 45 plus 22, um, 67 points. Um, so the Wizards came in with a good game plan. That was a very, very good game plan that they came in with. To ice the ball screens, get them out of their offense. It worked. Um, but then the Knicks adjusted by the fourth quarter, and the Wizards didn't adjust back. Um, this is the one time I actually would have advocated for the Wizards to kind of play a smaller lineup um, because I think that at that point, then you can just switch all the ball screens, and then like, what are you going to do? Have Taj Gibson post up? Like if that's going to be your offense, if that's if you lose because Taj Gibson posts up and scores every time, then fine, you live with that. But you don't lose because you're just getting killed on like four on threes, five on fours, three on twos on the weak side, like because your guards suck at getting over screens and then you're not adjusting, or because you're trying to ice every ball screen. Like at a certain point, you don't necessarily have to keep doing what you've been doing the whole game. You have to do something. Um, and Scott Brooks didn't, and that's why the Wizards lost, and it was frustrating. Also, the Wizards lost because the guards suck at getting over screens. Also, the Wizards lost because Oxlade isn't great in drop coverage, and the Wizards lost because their weak side help isn't great. Um, so, you know, kind of just a comedy of sucking in ball screens. Um, yeah, it was painful to watch it on the stretch. Like, it was not fun um, to be a Wizards fan in that time. Um, I will talk about Garrison Matthews did a really, really good job in this game, I thought. Um, just his threat to shoot the ball and then him like being able to fly around on defense, um, give good effort. He needs to get better with his reads on defense, though. He like he messes up a lot. Um, sometimes he's a little too eager in help. Sometimes um, he gets caught ball watching, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, speaking of getting caught ball watching, um, Russell Westbrook got back cut like three or four times in this game. And he's so bad off the ball on defense. He's he's terrible on defense. Like, come on. Um, he just has to be better on like it kills the Wizards. Um, one thing, I, like having Westbrook and Beal on the floor at the same time closing games um, and having those guys be the two guard spots just kill the Wizards on defense. Um, like you can see with the Trailblazers, it kind of puts a ceiling on how good their defense can be. Um, having to play um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard um, defensively at the end of games. Um, the Wizards have that same problem, except Beal is worse than McCollum and Westbrook is worse than Lillard on defense. Um, like at least Westbrook and Lillard, or McCollum and Lillard, like McCollum can actually guard a little bit on the ball. Um, and like he at least does a little bit and help. Um, same for Damian Lillard, but like Beal and Westbrook do absolutely nothing. Um, so the comparison kind of falls apart there. Whereas like the Wizards are even worse off than the Trailblazers, and the Trailblazers have really, really, really struggled because of that. Um, they've been trying to find a bunch of wings. Like they just traded for Norman Powell. Like it's tough, and they also have like Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Like they have really, really good wing defenders who are long and um, are great in help. The Wizards don't really have that those guys. Um, they have Bonga and that's it, but they don't really play Bonga. He only played eight minutes. Um, he didn't play a bit group that very good in this game. Um, but like, you can't really expect a guy to come in and play, like give you 10 really, really good minutes if he hasn't played all season. Um, it was kind of unfair to Bonga that he kind of just gets thrown into these random situations. Like this game doesn't even really make sense for him because who's he guarding? Um, he's best on the ball defensively against a bigger wing and the, like who you're throwing him on. It doesn't really make sense for this particular matchup. Like I don't know. Some of the stuff is just so questionable from the Wizards. Um, and they're in a really tough spot with Bradley Beal. Um, they want to keep him. They want to win now. They have Westbrook. Like, those guys just don't really fit on the defensive side of the ball. And how are you going to fix that? Um, probably with a better rim protector who can really, really play in the drop. Um, but, like, what, 
that guy doesn't really exist on the trade market um, for the Wizards to just go out and easily get. Um, you also need a wing defender. Those guys don't really grow on trees either. Um, and that I guess that leads pretty good into the trade. Um, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll... Let's see how far. I'll talk a little... So um, the two guys I just... So the guys... <laughs> what did I say? The trade was Troy Brown Jr. Um, actually, no. I'll, so the full entire trade, it was a three-team trade. The Wizards gave up Troy Brown Jr. and Mo Wagner. And two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash. Um, the Chicago Bulls received Javante Green, Daniel Tice, Troy Brown, um, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash from the Wizards, and like one point three million dollars in cash from the Celtics. And then the Celtics received Mo Wagner, and I think that's it. Um, I definitely have to look it up because um, that sounds kind of weird. But man, the Wizards traded. So the just from the Wizards' perspective, they traded away Troy Brown Jr., Mo Wagner, and cash. And all they got was Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson? Like, what? I don't understand that trade at all because, so, I mean, I understand that if um, Troy Brown Jr. isn't getting playing time, um, and I I think he has value amongst the trade market, like, more than the Wizards got for him, um, then you should trade him. Like, why is he on your books if you're not going to play him? Um, I guess the counter to that would be that he's good enough to get playing time. He's a rotation-level wing, in my opinion, in this league. Um and wings are super valuable, so you got to play him, especially when he's on a rookie-scale deal. He was a 15th pick in the draft. He's only in his third year. They picked up his fourth-year option. Like, his number is, his cap number is not that high. Um, so you flip him for a wing in Chandler Hutchinson, um, who, yes, he's a better on-ball defender against bigger wings, which I guess is a need for the Wizards. Um, but I don't think he's good as good at getting around screens as Troy Brown. I don't think he's as switchable as Troy Brown. I think Troy Brown can guard twos, um, whereas I don't really think Chandler Hutchinson can really, really guard quicker twos. Um, and then Chandler Hutchinson, like he's a little bit more built. He's a little more, more filled out than Troy Brown. I get that. But offensively, Chandler Hutchinson's a disaster. He's terrible on offense. Like whenever he shoots the ball, like even his mom doesn't think that, that it's going in. <laughs> like he can't shoot. What does he give you? The Wizards need shooting. The Wizards need someone like Troy Brown who can be a secondary ball handler. Troy Brown or Chandler Hutchinson doesn't do any of that. He doesn't give you anything on offense and he gives you, he can guard big wings on defense, but you already have Isak Bonga. He's not a better defender than Bonga. It doesn't make sense. You just get another Bonga who's worse. Why would you do that? Like, why are you giving up Troy Brown to get a worse version of Bonga who's like only played like nine games this season? He can't make a three. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense for the Wizards to go out and get Chandler Hutchinson. Like, no offense, Tommy Shepard, that move was like, it makes no sense. Now, get Daniel Gafford, I get it. Like, if you trade Mo Wagner straight up for Daniel Gafford, I think that's a good deal. I think Mo Wagner is better than Daniel Gafford right now, but Daniel Gafford, I think, is has more year. He has one more year on his deal after this year at a smaller cap number because he was a second round pick. So they signed him to a minimum, a uh, rookie scale minimum deal. Um, so that makes sense. That's fine. Whatever. Um, get Daniel Gafford, give him Mo Wagner. Like, I'm good with that. Um, Mo Wagner. I think one thing that was important with Mo was his shooting, and his shooting never came around. Um, so then if he's not shooting the ball, he's not giving you that much on offense, and he doesn't give you that much. Um, you get Daniel Gafford, you get a more athletic rim runner. Um, you get someone that um, maybe can move their feet a little bit more on defense at the center position. Um, but he doesn't, know, he doesn't know how to play basketball. Like, he would get killed, and I, like, he gets killed a lot in pick and rolls. He, he just doesn't know what he's doing yet. He's pretty raw. Like, do you expect him to come out and help you win this season more than Mo Wagner? Because I don't think he would. I think he'd be a better fit on offense. I don't think he'd be better on defense than um, Alex Len or Robin Lopez. Um, so is he helping this year? I don't think so. I don't think I think he's the third best center on this roster right now. I don't think he's better than Alex Len or Robin Lopez. Obviously, he's more athletic. Um, he's a better rim runner. But besides that, what does he give you? Um, like he, 
he doesn't know how to play yet, which is fine. He's a pretty young player. He played like two years at Arkansas and then he came out in the draft. He's super athletic. Like that's all fine. Like I get it. He's young, but like you can't trade for someone like that, expecting them to help you win games right away. It doesn't make sense. So you trade for Mo Wagner, who I, so you trade away Mo Wagner, who I think is better than Daniel Gafford. And you trade away Troy Brown Jr. Who like no one on earth would argue that Chandler Hutchinson is better than Troy Brown. So what the heck are you doing? Are you even getting better on defense? Like you're getting, I think Chandler Hutchinson is arguably a wash with Troy Brown because I think Troy Brown is more versatile. I think he's better getting around screens. I think he's better with the Wizards need. Um, and then, like, are you getting better with Daniel Gafford? Like, Mo Wagner can still move speed on the perimeter. He at least knows what he's doing, kind of, sort of. He still makes a ton of mistakes, but Gafford makes just as many mistakes. Like, maybe Gafford's a little bit better on defense. Um, but he's not... I don't think Gafford's going to play that much. I don't think he's better than Leonard Lopez. So, you're not getting better. Like, what are you... Are you looking towards the future? And you're like, oh, Chandler Hutchinson and Daniel Gafford have one... Both have more years on their contract. But, like, yeah, so? <laughs> so, they're not going to play. They're not rotation-level guys. Like... The Chandler Hutchinson part just, just drives me insane. Um, to give up Troy Brown Jr. and you're getting back Chandler Hutchinson, it does, it, it's so frustrating. Um, just the end of the Troy Brown era um, comes to a terrible end. Um, he should have been getting more minutes all season. Um, man, I, I just hate this move. Um, and look, maybe like Daniel Gafford is going to become a backup center, fine, but you're giving up Troy Brown to get a backup center? Why? <laughs> Why? You can... I'm not even... The trade I proposed at one point was like Troy Brown Jr., Mo Wagner, and a second-round pick for Rashawn Holmes, who's actually going to be a starting-level center, not just a backup guy. Like, I don't think Daniel Gafford has starting center upside. Um, just like one of no-skill, very little feel type of guy. Um, those Just like a pogo stick athlete, those guys are usually backups. Those guys don't normally turn into starters. Um, so it's, it just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, um, I spent a lot of time talking about that trade. Um, I guess I'll go into the shot charts a little bit, and then um, I'll go through my notes, and then that'll be it. Um, but yeah, so a lot of shots were taken at the rim this game, um, which is not normal for a Wizards game, um, for them to shoot so often at the rim, which is actually good for... I do like that. Um, they shot 43% of their shots at the rim, and the Knicks also shot 43% of their shots at the rim. But the Wizards made 66.7% of their shots at the rim, while the Knicks only made 44.4%. Um, so that next time is ridiculously low. Um, so that tells you, yeah, the Wizards were doing a good job um, at the very, very end of their drop coverage when um, the Knicks really, really attacked the rim. So I think that a lot of that was because more because of Robin Lopez and Alex Len. I think Lopez should have been out there. at the, No, I did say go small. Um, but if anything, like Lopez should have been out there because Alex Len was just getting cooked. Um, the Knicks really didn't shoot the ball well at all. They actually shot terribly overall. Um, like I said, and in the second percentile in um, effective field goal percentage. Um, but they got to the line 42 times, um, and they made 31 free throws. So getting 31 free shots at the line is a ridiculous number. Um, just to go over who was getting the fouls, Len had five fouls, Beal had five fouls, um, Avdi had four fouls, Bonga had three fouls, um, and Garrison Matthews had four fouls. So that's pretty ridiculous. That's also a wide variety of positional players that got fouls, um, which is kind of weird. Um, just to go over who was drawing the fouls for the Knicks, who was getting to the free throw line. RJ Barrett had 11 free throws. Alec Burks had 11 free throws, which is not particularly Alec Burks-like. Um, quickly at five. Um, Gibson had six. Julius Randle only shot two free throws. Mitchell Robinson only shot three free throws. And Alfred Payton had four. And all that added up to 42, which is an insane number. Um, I was looking at the Wizards. Um, they did not shoot the ball well from three. Didn't shoot it well from mid-range. Um, shot pretty well in the paint. Um, that goes back to just getting to the paint, um, getting more touches there. Um, yeah, I guess Beal struggled. Um, I'll talk about that for a second. Um, 
the Knicks were doing the same thing they did last time against Beal, where they're really, really helping off um, Bruno Hachimura, really helping off Alex Len, really helping off Robin Lopez, really helping off Denny Avdia and um, Isak Bonga. Um, and they had um, Alec Burks was doing it a lot, um, was just face guarding him. So it was Frankie Lakina that did a pretty good job of it at the very beginning of the game. Um, and those two guys did a really, really good job on Beal. Um, but also they're sending so much help whenever he was like cutting back door or whenever he was cutting off like on the ball or whenever he was in the ball screen, they had the big come up to the level of the screen. And that's where um, Mitchell Robinson did a really, really good job. Um, he can move his feet pretty well. He's a good athlete. Um, and he's just so long that even if Beal is able to turn the corner, he has such great recovery um, with that length. He's actually pretty fast um, for someone of his height. Um, but Beal was able to get have a little more success against Taj Gibson, but Gibson is one of those vets that really, really knows what he's doing. Um, so obviously, like, he knows how to come up to the level of the screen and then not get just completely killed, even though he doesn't have a ton of foot speed. Um, but he actually is pretty solid laterally for someone of his age. Um, yeah, so Beal struggled tonight. It's just the jumper wasn't falling. Um, I'd like for Beal to have a little more variety to his game with the jumpers not falling, um, being able to get to the rim more. But I'd also like to see Scott Brooks run some more plays um, for Bradley Beal to get to the rim. Um, he ran one play where Beal got a wide open layup, um, but, like, I didn't see enough um, there. And then, like, with Beal back cuts, like... <laughs> The guy setting um, the back screen for Beal was usually a center, and then the opposing team center could just drop and just completely just wash that out. Um, so definitely need some more creativity. Um, and the Wizards also need more spacing, which that trade didn't give them at all because Gafford has shot like no threes his whole career. Chandler Hutchinson, like I said, he can't make a three. Um, so spacing has definitely been an issue for the Wizards. Um, but part of that is because um, Dallas Bertans, like don't forget, he's been out. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go over my notes and then that's going to be the episode. I've been trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter, uh, but yeah, a lot happened today. It was a trade deadline. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go over my notes. Uh, oh, at one point, like very early in the first quarter, the Wizards ran stack, a uh, stack action with um, Bradley Beal setting a back screen for the screener. Um, and Russell Westbrook ended up getting downhill against Frank Nielakina, which is exactly what you want. Um, and he drew a foul. Um, I thought that was a great play. Um, I wrote in my notes, replacing um, Bullock with... Um, Neil Aquina and the Knicks starting lineup has absolutely killed their spacing, which it did. Their offense was terrible at the beginning of the game. Um, Knicks are coming to the ball screens. Lopez actually made a good... Oh, the Wizards try to utilize the short roll a little bit more with Alex Len and Robin Lopez. Um, Lopez made a couple solid reads, just finding the strong side corner um, who was helping. Or I guess, yeah, when he got the ball as a strong side corner, that was um, usually showing help. Um, Alex Len did not do a good job at all on the short roll, um, finding any reads. Um, that's another thing the Wizards need, a big that can work in the short roll, which Daniel Gafford definitely isn't at all. Um, Neto's playing really good defensively. Oh, yeah, Neto was pretty good in this game. Um, he was just all over the place on defense, giving great effort, um, and just picking off a bunch of lazy passes. Um, so that was good to see. Um, I wrote in the second quarter, Wizards are trying to ice ball screens, but quickly is really good at either rejecting the screen or using his handle to use the screen anyways. Um, and that is part of the reason that why the Wizards got killed in the fourth quarter. So, you know, had a little foresight there. Um, Russ has been back caught on defense three, three times so far, and I wrote that early in the second quarter. Um, Wizards have used Beal as a screen for Russ a couple times, but for some reason they have not done it the other way around. Yeah, um, I would so much love for the Wizards to use Russell Westbrook as a screen for Beal um, when teams are playing aggressive pick and roll coverages because then having Russell Westbrook work um, do stuff in the short roll would be just insane it'd be awesome he's a really good passer he can attack the rim I don't understand why the Wizards haven't done that at all um next step for Beal is to improve as a passer he was running oh yeah one play Beal was running down in transition um Garrison Matthews was wide open in the weak side corner he didn't see him um eventually it flowed into a drag screen and then Beal tried to kick to the weak side corner with Matthews still open, and it got, or he wasn't open at that point. Um, Alfred Payne was doing a really good job splitting two on the weak side, and he picked off the pass pretty easily. 
Um, so Beal definitely needs to work on his passing um, this offseason, um, and that's going to be the next step for him as a player and overall playmaker, offensive engine type of guy. Um, Russell Westbrook's technique for getting on screens is awful, but he's been better in pursuit in this game. Yeah, like I'll give him credit. Um, for the first half, he was better in pursuit, but um, I guess he played 40 minutes in this game. I guess at a certain point he got tired, and, you know, that happened. Um, the end of the game happened. Um, I wrote my notes in the third quarter, like right away, a team desperately needs more quickly minutes. He's their only playmaker right now, uh, which ended up being true. Um, maybe good knowing by Thibodeau to be able to only play him like the whole entire fourth quarter um, by not playing him that much in the first three quarters. Or maybe maybe I'm just a genius. Um, Wizards are at least trying to use a short roll. I already talked about that. Um, Wizards are forcing Barrett really hard to the right. He's not done a great job of handling it. He, yeah, RJ Barrett lost the ball like four times on drives to the rim going to his right hand. Like He's just not comfortable at all going right. He needs to work on that, but he's still really young. He's only in his second year, so... Uh, I'll give him a pass on that. Like left-handed guys, um, they seem to come out more um, strong-hand dominant than right-handed guys, like all the time. Um, same thing with like Killian Hayes, who came out this year. Um, so that that's kind of weird, um, but I guess it makes sense because left-handed guys are just harder to guard at lower levels. And then once you get to like the NBA, guys actually scout better and they can game plan better. Um, Wizards ran a wedge screen into an empty side ball screen for the screener. Um, Oh, yeah, that was a good action to get Beal involved. Um, he set a wedge screen, and then he caught the ball at the top of the key. They ran um, a play, um, and then they set a screen and with the weak side, or the strong side, um, empty. Um, I thought that was a good way to get him involved in the offense. Um, and then this is the fourth quarter. Um, I talked about it mostly, but ATO Wizards ran a double screen with the first screener popping out and the second screener rolling with an empty weak side. Um, that got a wide-open layup. And then the very next play, um, the Wizards ran the same action, but the first screener slipped and got a layup. Um, that was a play all the time where Beal got a wide open layup. Um, yeah, just running actions that work and then running um, counters, like, or little, um, those actions again with little different nuances in them. Um, I love when Brooks does that. He does that occasionally, um, and he did that right there in the play that I just described. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I think the Wizards play next on Saturday. Um, I want to look at who they play. Um, Wizards schedule. Um, oh, thank God. The Wizards play the Pistons. Okay, so the Wizards play the Pistons on Saturday um, at 8 o'clock. Man, that's kind of late. That sucks. Um, yeah, so definitely check that game out. Um, I'll be doing a podcast that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I'll see you next time.